0: everybody this morning i have seriously i'm i was sitting there and it's like i'm a little child again because i remember there was one particular time he sung his song i don't know which year but and just sitting there with my eyes closed i could feel myself there peter and john running to the tomb and he just paints the picture really beautiful every time he sings it and so i, I enjoy him singing that song so i can get emotional talk about my dad you know just calm down Alright. So do a little something different this morning. Children, go to children's church. We're gonna get right into the word this morning. We'll uh we'll do announcements and offering later. It <laughs> it's alright to do something different, ain't it? Yes. All right. Amen. <laughs> That's right. Amen. Well, I've been excited about this day for the past few weeks, but especially all week, you know, as a as a preacher, you love getting to preach on Easter Sunday. And it's just something about it, because just you remember this stuff all year long, but it makes you go back and read the accounts, read those things that 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 Jesus went through. You know, I was watching different clips of the uh, Passion of the Christ over the weekend and just, you know, weeping at that. If you've not ever seen it, then watch it. I mean, it's been out for years, but watch it and, and, you know, it'll just bring you back and and let you see what Jesus went through and what happened in, in his life on this earth and the time that he was here and the suffering that he endured because of us. But today we celebrate Resurrection Day. We all know we don't celebrate eggs and bunnies and, and different things like that. We we celebrate Jesus because he's not in a tomb. And and we're gonna we're gonna go through. We're gonna be scripture heavy. So I'm gonna read. And you know if if you can't keep up, then be on the screen and and y'all just follow along. And, and listen the best you can and and open up your hearts this morning, okay? Open up and let Jesus do a work in your life. That's why you're here. You're, you may think, well, I come because it's Easter and that's what we do. No, you come for a purpose and a reason. Because I say it every week, you were prayed over before you ever stepped through the door. I didn't know who was going to be here, but God did. And so, we're here because of Jesus. Because it's all because of Him. Without Him, there would be no reason for us to be here today. We'd be here as a social gathering, and that's it. But it's Resurrection Sunday. The day we celebrate Jesus, the Son of God, rose on that grave after defeating Satan and death in the grave. And I'm going, we're going to start in Revelation, and we're going to go back through and work through how, how the disciples looked at things and, and, and how they must have felt during this time watching their Savior that they've been with the past three and a half years die and go through the things that He did. But Jesus, during this time, you know, he 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 defeated Satan and made open spectacle. We read a couple of scriptures in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17. It says, When I saw him, this is John talking. He said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death, of hell and death. He said, I have them. He said, because when I died, there was something happened. There was something happened where I went to hell and I took everything away from Satan that he had. And he said, I stripped it and I gave you power over him. And so y'all had to get past me this morning. I've been crying already. And it'll probably carry on through this service. And I pray the Spirit of God moves in your life to do the same thing. Because we are talking about our Savior this morning. We're not not talking about somebody that's at the grave and still in there and somebody we can't feel in our life and work and move and trust in and and give our whole life to. We should be passionate about this. Not just today, but every day of the year. This should be more as as special to us as Christmas. This should be just as special and celebrated. It's not because we don't get each other gifts. And so we don't look at it the same way. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, And this is from the Passion Translation. It will be up there in the New King James. I'll follow along the best you can, but I love how it brings it out in the Passion Translation. What Jesus done to Satan, okay? This is what Jesus done by dying on the cross and going into hell. Colossians chapter 2, and verse twelve, verses 12 through 15. It says, For we have been buried with Him unto His death, our baptism unto death, also means we were raised with Him when we believed in God's resurrection power. So when you believe and made Jesus Lord of your life, you, you went through that death, burial, and resurrection, and you come up, and, and you're alive through Him forevermore because you've made Jesus Lord of your life, and that's what you've done. And he said, so we believe in God's resurrection power, the power that raised Him from death's realm. The realm of death describes our former state. That's where we was at. Our former state was death. We had no hope. We had no future. All we could see was the grave and death and hell in front of us. And you say, well, people out in the world showing that and living like there's, you know, they have no problems. I promise, they lay down at night with with, with, with turmoil and with not peace and no and true peace in their life. Because we've all been there and we know how that is. We, we, we act like we're good. We'll get tattoos like we're good, won't we, Brad? And and we'll, we'll say Scripture verses all over our arms and everything like that because we want people to see what on the outside. And if you do that, that's fine. I'm not talking about anything about getting Scripture verses on you or Bible verses. That's, that's awesome. Just live what you've got on the outside coming from the inside. Live that way every day. Don't just get asked about it and say, What's that for? Well, I just did. No, it's got to mean something more than that. It means something more to Jesus to die for us. So when we get our body tattooed with stuff and stamped with stuff, it's got to be more to than just a phase we're going through in our life. It's got to mean a lifetime of, of decisions that we're going to make each and every day that, that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I'm going to proclaim it. I'm going to write it on my arm, my legs, my head, whatever it is, and then live what I believe. All right, let's go on. It says, but now, so, so let's read, the realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp. But now, but now, now, right now, this is today. This is April 9th, 2023, so talking about now, just like it was when this was written over 2,000 years ago, okay? It's the same thing, it's the same, but now, but now, because Jesus is ever-present, right? Jesus was the first and the last, we just read it. The beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He was with God when man was created. And, and He'll be there when, when the world ends and we're in heaven with Him for eternity. He'll be there. He always has been. He says, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. Never to return. You know how you get back to where you was at and you look dead in your life and you're trespassing your sin? You go back. You go back to that place. You say, I've had enough of this. This has not worked out for me. And I'm going to go back to where I was at before because it was fun. That's how you get back to that state. God never loses hope. God never loses hope that you're going to come back to him one day just as that prodigal son, just as that child, just just as somebody that comes running back to him. But we've been redeemed from that. Why would we want to go back? we knew how ugly it was at times and we know how we know how great it is living for god and how wonderful it can be and the end result's going to be awesome so why would we ever go back he says that former and never to return for we were forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins when jesus died on the cross he died past present future of sins right he died for all of us he died for the sins Whatever I commit today, tomorrow, what I committed in the past, I've asked Him to forgive me. Now, does that mean I live like hell for the tomorrow and the next day? No, it means that I go to God every day, even though I mess up and say, God, forgive me. I repent. I repent and go with a broken and contrite heart and move away from those things. But He did forgive us, and and so He said He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. The old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. That old warrant. That old thing that Satan, he's throwing all these things in your mind right now. Because there's still some Christians today, a lot of the church that still, we've talked about a lot, don't believe they're good enough to enter in to the holy of holies. Don't believe that because of what they've done in their past, or what they've done today or yesterday, can enter in. But I promise you, we're going to read it in a little bit. The veil was torn. And nobody ripped it from the bottom to the top. It was ripped from the top to the bottom. That whole thing. And he said, so we can enter in. We can. He erased it all, our sin, our stained soul. He deleted it and they cannot, and it cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed on the cross. And nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Our Savior was there. We'll read in a little bit how God turned His back. Three hours Jesus stood there in agony and pain. Had, had God nowhere around, it was dark. But He hung there. But when He come down and He finished the sacrifice, our sin was nailed to the cross. When we asked Jesus into our life, we were essential, in essence, taking our old man, nailing it to the cross, putting it on display for Satan, and saying, look, this is my old man. I'm not pulling it back down. This is the old old me. Why would I I want to pull it back down with all the pain and stuff that comes along with it? Why would I want to do that? But he said, made a public display of cancellation. Jesus canceled out our debt. Canceled out. We did nothing to deserve it. Nothing. We could never be good enough in this life to deserve what Jesus done for us. Nobody could. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of, listen, this is what He done for Satan, okay? He made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. All of it. Any accusation that the devil comes against you now if you're a child of God, you can say, look, look, devil, just cancel that out on the cross. Jesus canceled that out. When I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, my old sin was canceled out. There's nothing, there's no charge you can bring against me. We're God's elect. Why, how could he bring a charge against God's elect? He can't. And not make it stick. It's like throwing something slimy against the wall. It's just going to slide down. I mean, it's, there's nothing he can do to make us different in God's eyes. The only people standing in that way is us. The only people making it easy for the devil to deceive us and throw things at us and accusations and we believe them, that would be us. That would be us being deceived by the by, by not believing in the Word of God and stepping away from those things. And so... And spiritual authority and power to accuse us and the power of the cross, Jesus, and by the power of the cross, listen, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a possession of triumph. He is not, He was not their prisoner. They were His. Jesus in the midst of hell. Jesus goes to hell. Okay. He goes to hell. You say, well, that's, that don't mean no. Jesus went to hell. I believe as soon as Jesus gave up the ghost and he said, it is finished. He didn't go to heaven, he went right there and defeated everything for everything. Everything stripped everything away from Satan. And you say, "Well, why is he run rampant?" Because we still live in a world controlled by Satan. He did this for us so we don't have to live our lives controlled by Satan. He did this for us so we don't have to live a life of intimidation and fear. We can live a life of victorious triumph over that. And, and you know, you got the authority and power as a child of God to tell Satan, look, I have the power through Jesus' name and you, you cannot accuse me of anything because I have made Jesus Lord of my life. I have done these things and so Jesus led them around. I can just picture him leading the devil around by his nostrils and saying, come on. We're going to parade you through hell for the weaselly little wimp that you are. And we're going to do, and he said, I'm doing this and showing all the demons of hell, everybody that's not believed on my name that's here, I'm showing them how powerless you are in my sight. And when we fully understand the Jesus inside of us and the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can overcome these things in our life and live a different life than what we did before we have come in here yesterday and come out tomorrow better on the other side. That don't mean we won't go through some things just like Jesus did, right? We won't go through those things. And because He's done that, our sins are blotted out. David said in Psalms 103, 12, As far as the east is from the west, so He has removed our transgressions from us. Because of Jesus down on the cross. Because of the blood He shed and what, what He done, He's got the power to remove our sin. Hebrews 8, 12 says, for I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So he is taken and he said, he said, well, Jesus forgets our sins. No, he said, I choose not to remember them. That's a whole different statement. Whole different statement. Jesus made that display of humiliation to this devil and a power. The devil, though, even though right before this thought he had won, didn't he? He thought he had won. He thought that he had Jesus right where he wanted him as a man, and he could kill him, and then and then the prophecies wouldn't be fulfilled, because the devil was hoping he said maybe there's a sliver of hope that that this man Jesus dies and the rest of this stuff will not take place. But God's words from the beginning until the end, right? He said I, he said I'm the first and the last. He said he couldn't be the he couldn't be he could be the first, but if something changed in the middle, he couldn't be the last, right? He, and so he he had. This and this is what he had planned to do from the whole time. But I look sometimes and I try to imagine what the disciples went through, just as Daddy sung that song this morning about Peter and the other disciples. We know from the past couple weeks that we've been talking about our sacrifice, our our service is going to make is going to sacrifice in our life. Loving others is going to be sacrifice in our life. You know, I thought today that it was going to be perfect, and I didn't plan it this way. I wasn't trying to count up the weeks, and you know, I was going to preach forgiveness is a, is a, is our you know equal sacrifice, because what Jesus done today is all about forgiveness, right? Because what we celebrate today is all about forgiveness, and and we're going to talk about that some and, and read that, but the main point of the message today is just Jesus, because without Him, we would have no standard for what sacrifice was. Or what sacrifice is. We couldn't put our lives against anything else besides another man if that's, if it wasn't for Jesus. We wouldn't know what good is, what love is. We wouldn't know all these things without Jesus. So He's our ultimate sacrifice on all three accounts. And so if you ever wonder, how can I love? You look at Jesus. How can I serve? You look at Jesus. How can I forgive? You look at Jesus. You look at Him through all these things. And so the disciples we know walked with Him every day and talked with Him. And, and, and slept at night with him and just ate with him and they were there with him all the time. And we know they still had doubts. They still had unbelief in their life. They couldn't understand the things that Jesus was doing. They, they, they just, what in the world's going on? He's talking about dying. He's saying he's gotta leave. All this stuff. They, they just couldn't fathom what he was talking about. And so, You know, we can only read an account of one disciple that was at the cross whenever Jesus was hanging there, right? And John, John was there. And John, John, uh, to me, was con- he was a little, I don't say conceited, he was confident. Because all through the book you can read the one that Jesus loved. The one that Jesus loved, like he didn't love the others. But in John chapter 19 and verse 25, because I believe the disciples, John was there, We know Judas at this time had done, had done went out and hung himself. He tried to, he tried to give the money back because he betrayed Jesus. We read that a couple weeks ago where Jesus knew he was going to betray him and told him, said, go do, go do it quickly. And took that money and, and that money bag and, and went and sold him out. Sold him out. And after it happened, we know Judas went back to, to the, to the religious leader and said, I, I I don't, I don't want it no more. And I said, we can't take it back. That's blood money. So we know he throws it on the ground and it runs out. And, you know, I love, I was watching it last night to where in that movie, The Passion, which shows Judas to spend some time with him and it just shows him being tormented by demons. And I believe that he was. Why? Because he turned his life over to that. You know, you can read back when they come into the room and, and they're talking about, and Jesus said, you know, one of you will betray me. And the other said, Lord. The other said, Lord, is it I? But when it comes to Judas, he said, Rabbi is it I and you say, well, What does that matter? To me that shows a relationship between the others who said, Lord, my Savior, I'm in a relationship with you, and, and Judas got to a point to where he was just a religious leader. He said, Rabbi. It wasn't personal to him no more. It was Jesus wasn't intimate to him no more. Why? Because he had this he lets he let Satan come in and deceive him. And said, you can make money off this man and, and, and call him out and throw him away. And here, this money can be yours and it will help you through whatever. We don't know what Judas had going on. We don't know. We know we do desperate things in desperate times, right? We know we do different things that we shouldn't do in times when we think, hey, this is the only way I can see out. So we don't know what's going through Judas' mind. But I do believe that Satan come in and deceived him and kept deceiving him. And so in the passion it shows Judas going and just being tormented by these demons. Tormented by these things. And we know his, his end point, he could have had forgiveness for even for what he'd done. He could have, but he didn't. Why? Because he decided to take care of it on his own. He couldn't get those things out of his head. He couldn't see nothing past but what he had done to Jesus after the fact. And so we know he went out and he hung himself. So we know Judas wasn't there to witness any of this to Jesus on the cross. And we know Peter, Peter at this point, when Jesus was on the cross, had done denied him three times. Could you imagine? Peter watching this from a distance. They he watched, and I'm sure the other disciples did also. Watched as Jesus was beaten and you know his beard plucked out and him whipped with that with that um, with with the cat of nine tails 39 times. On his back, all over his body, his flesh just ripped. And, and you know, the passion, it shows a good visual of what Jesus might have looked like. Just flesh hanging off everywhere. You know, just, it, just, just him hanging there, just flesh and trying to carry that cross and all the stuff that he went through for us. And they're watching all this. This is the same Jesus that they had watched through miracles. The same Jesus that they had seen walking on the water. And I'm sure at this point they're like, why why doesn't He do something? Jesus, they're, they're just, what in the world? We saw Him do all these things. And yet He won't even save His own self because He was being accused of that. If you're Jesus, then you save your own self. And I'm sure His disciples were thinking the same thing. Alright, just any minute now, He's going to come out of this. And all this stuff will be gone. And we can go back to like we was before. And so they're watching this. They watched him carry his cross up to that hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. They watched that. They watched the Roman soldiers put nails in his hands and feet. And so they're watching their their their, their master, their Savior, the one they called Lord, the one that revealed theirself to him. And Peter, he said, "I've just denied Him." He said, "I'm going to watch Jesus die, and I'm never going to be able to do anything because I've denied Jesus in my life." He didn't know. The end result. He couldn't see it because he could only see what he had done. And I'm sure he was being tormented and said and told things by the devil and, and the demons around trying to, you know, change his mind for what he's doing. So the only disciple at the cross was John and in John chapter 19 and verse 25, it says, now there stood at by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas. And Mary Magdalene, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the the disciple whom he loved, John, standing there by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her as his own home. So we know John was there. The other disciples wasn't. Jesus' mother was there. And then, so stay with me. I'm trying to just paint a picture. All right. We're going to go through this. Y'all just, y'all just hang on. So where were all the others? All the others had done exactly what Jesus said. As soon as trouble hit, they scattered. As soon as hard times hit, they scattered, didn't they? They didn't want to be known and associated with this man. They didn't want to be known and associated with these things. And it's it's the same thing over 2,000 years later that that Christians still do today. Hard times come. Our lives change for for better or for worse. And, you know, things change in our homes and our lives And what is the first thing that a lot of Christians, a lot of children of God, a lot of followers of Jesus do? Well, we step back. We step back. Why? Because it got rough. It got real in our life. And the only, and, and what, what we thought that we was grounded in faith at the time and grounded in Christ really shown what colors we really had. What, what what true faith we had in Christ. As the other disciples did, they went away. And I'm not saying that we're all here today as as we've been falling away from Christ. But at one point in our life, we have. I have. You have in your life. You've went a different direction because times got rough. You've, you've stayed in that direction because this seems easier right now, and I can do what I want to do, and I can numb myself to all these other things in my life that I know Jesus and the Holy Spirit's urging me to come back, but I don't see how I can ever go back. That's where Peter was at. I've denied Jesus the Lord, the Savior, three times. How can I ever go back? Jesus did this so we can go back. Jesus died, so we have a way to go back. Because He knows we're flawed humans and we're going to mess up every day. And He said, so I'm going to send Jesus to make a way back. What He didn't send Jesus for was for us to trample over Him, just like He was on this earth and all the other people did. What He didn't send Jesus for was to say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'll do better tomorrow. And then go back and do the same thing again. Because we're taking advantage of that grace and mercy that it, that Jesus gives us of the power of the cross. He gave us, He gave Him that power and done those things that Jesus done and done all these things so we could finally come to a point in our life and a decision that we're going to follow Christ no matter how hard it gets. We're going to follow Him no matter what's going on in our life, what's happening in our house. We're going to, we're going to know what to do and what to say. And it starts with the Word of God and our relationship with Him. That's where it's got to start. And then then once you get grounded in that, when these bad things happen, and there's people here that bad things have happened in their life, and they stay true to the Word of God. They stay true on those things. And that's what we need to be in our life. That's where we've got to be each and every time. It's staying true to what God has called and what God has done. And through Jesus, He's done that. Peter, go back to him. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 60. He had Peter done denied him twice. After Peter said, we know Peter said, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll go with you until death. Anywhere you go, I'm going to go. Peter, remember this is the same Peter that didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. And then when he understood that Jesus had to, he said, Hey, let's just, let's just bathe in it. Wash my head, my hands, everything. I want head to toe. This is St. Peter. Had a, had a Holy Ghost little moment there with Jesus in the upper room as we do here. We had an emotional time. We get emotional in church and there's nothing wrong with that. But the only thing with emotions, the emotions won't get you through the hard times in your life. Emotions will only carry you so far, guess what, before your emotion changes. And, and so when your emotion changes because it's gotten hard and you go from happy because we're here at church and we're praising God to, to sad because you go back home and you're lonely and depressed, you don't know how to get out of it. Guess what? Your emotion's changed. And, and so, you know, we, we get to this point and, and Peter says, man, I don't know what you were saying. This third time, he said, aren't you, aren't you Peter? Aren't you one of his disciples? He said, I don't know what you're saying. And then at one point, there this, He cussed the person. I don't know what he said. I don't know if they had the same four-letter curse words we do today. But it was something that wasn't good for him to say. And he cursed at him and told him to go on. Gabby thought last night, I said, well, I need to go study for Sunday. I don't know how I said it. The sermon, Sunday sermon. She thought I said this sermon crap. And I was like, whoa. I was like, I'm not ready to be struck down. And so she misheard me. I did not say I'm ready to go study for this crap, I promise. This is not. And so, you know, Peter, there's no telling what he said to make them saying, hey, he cussed me because because I, I said this about him. He said immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed, because we know Jesus told him, you'll, uh, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. Deny me three times, and it did. Then it hit Peter. What happened? He says, remembering the word of the Lord. And he said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So what did Peter do? He went out and wept bitterly why because all that just hit him like that he knew that he had messed up he knew that he had done exactly what Jesus said he would do and even though he told Jesus he wasn't going to do it you ever i mean i'm guilty of it you ever you ever do something in your life jesus i'm not going to do that and and you know i'm not going to do this commit a sin i'm not going to say something to somebody and then that time comes And you're face to face with that person or whatever it is in your life that that you you've just told God, hey, I'm not doing that, and then you do it, and the Holy Spirit comes and convicts right then, doesn't? And and He convicts us of those things. And what do we do? I I know I in my life, I'm like God. What in the world? I'm so sorry. We're broken, and the only way God can fix us is if we're broken. The only way we come to him is in brokenness, right? But why? Because we come to him in that brokenness, spiritual brokenness, he can piece us back together and make us whole in him. That's why we do it. And and so he went out and wept bitterly. And so he'd done exactly what Jesus has said. And so at this time, I'm sure after this he he's watching from a distance. They watch all these things Jesus goes through. They watch all the suffering. I'm sure that they've watched and saw the thief on the cross. And we know that story to where the thief, we got two people um, crucified with him and the thief comes. And that one says, you know, Lord, remember me. Remember me in paradise. Remember me, Lord. He said, and Jesus, we know, said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you will. Why? Because Jesus still had that love. He still had that compassion. Even though he was at a state the way he was beaten and bruised and torn and all these things, he still knew why he was here to seek and save the lost. He knew the man on the cross was lost. He knew both of them was, but only one one came to him. The other still denied him. Guess what? He got to meet Jesus in hell, I can imagine, whenever Jesus went there. Jesus died for everybody, but not everybody accepts him. Jesus died for all of us, but then everybody comes to Him and stays with Him. We walk away. They watch as the skies turn dark in the middle of the day. And we know Jesus asks God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? In Matthew chapter 27. Now from the sixth hour to the ninth. We look at that and we know their time back then. That was from 12 o'clock noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Three hours. Jesus hung there on the cross. Skies turned dark. God, in essence, turned His back. On His only begotten Son. And let's read right here. Sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatnika. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <clears throat> Jesus, the Son of God. He was with God. Here on earth. Remember, we've talked about this and said this. Jesus was just as much man as He was God. And just as much God as He was man, but He still felt every strife took on His back. He still felt God didn't take his, and make his body numb and not feel the nails piercing his hands and his feet. He didn't make him numb and not feel him hanging there on a cross, stretched out for all to see a man die. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't make him numb to that. Why? Because we know here Jesus is in pain and agony. And for three hours sitting there with nothing, you, you ever been to there in your life, you're crying out to God, God, where are you at? But I promise God has not turned His back on you as He did during this time. God's not turning His back on you. You may feel that in your life. You may have been to a point in your life where you feel like, God, I'm crying out. Where are you at? And all the time He's saying, no, where are you at? He didn't say that to Jesus. Jesus knew what was going on, but that's what He says to us. Most of the time in our life when we can't feel God and we, we don't understand why God's not there when we want Him there, it's because we have to get something removed out of our own life to where we can see God move in a way where He wants to move and not how we think He should move. And, and so we, we get to that point and, and Jesus was there. He's like, why have you forsaken me? Three hours I'm sitting here and nothing's happening. And I can imagine those three hours were, were literally hell for Jesus I can imagine that the Satan took this opportunity to just beat and torment Jesus' mind and spirit, where, where he's hanging on that cross and it's dark, and and so Jesus he said he said some of them stood there and they heard that this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it him to drink. The rest said, "Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and save him." Still mocking him. And Jesus cried out again with a voice and yielded up His Spirit. This is where we talked about the temple veil was torn. So behold, the temple veil was torn from top to bottom. Top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks split and the graves were opened. And many bodies and the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. We forget about this part. When Jesus gave up that last breath and died, the earth shook so violently... And the power of God moved through everything that was going on. That Why? Because the sacrifice had been made. The sin sacrifice for mankind had been made once Jesus gave up the ghost, right? Once He died, that sacrifice was completed. And when He'd done that, the power of God moved in, and, and the earth couldn't contain it. The graves couldn't contain it. And it says here, and you're like, well, this doesn't even make sense. He said, he said, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And so there, there wasn't zombies walking around, there wasn't ghosts, there wasn't skeletons. Now I believe they come walking out of the grave. Why? Because it says the next one, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So these, when, when they come out of the graves, when Jesus died and the power of God moved on this earth and they couldn't contain it, and the people in the graves couldn't contain it because of the power that God was using and the power that God had raised these others to life. And why? Because there was other people that took account. Hey, that's so-and-so, wasn't they? I remember I was at that funeral. I know they died. I watched them put them in that tomb. And now they're talking to me. Why? Because of the power of God. Because Jesus gave up the ghost and became that sacrifice. So we know so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God. So at that point, again, making unbelievers believe of the power of God working in his life and in the power that he had. And when that temple veil was torn, we could go through it and step in. All of us. You didn't have to be of a certain tribe. You didn't have to be just good enough to go into the Holy of Holies. No, you could call into God and, and go in with Him and, and ask God to, hey, I need to meet with you and talk with you. I need you in my life. And we can spend that time in prayer and enter into His presence and, and come into that place where it's just us and Him. So that temple bell was torn. The disciples felt all that. They felt the earth shake. They watched Jesus take His final breath. After all that they had been through watching the miracles performed, they watched Jesus die. They watched the man Jesus die. But thank God this wasn't the end, right? You may be a place in your life today where you think, hey, I can't see what what the future holds. Nothing looks better tomorrow than it is today. Nothing looks different tomorrow than it does today. Why? Because that's what your hope is in. When your hope's in Jesus, God's not done. When your hope's in Him, He can do in your life, God's not done. Why? Because today we celebrate a resurrection. Today we celebrate that we can come to Him and and He forgives us all of our sins and, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness because of what He done. And we can rise up and have a different day tomorrow than today. And so He wasn't done. He wasn't done at all. He wasn't done in their life and He's not done in yours. He's not done in your life this morning. If He was done in your life this morning, then you would have no reason to be here. There's not a person on this earth that Jesus didn't die for. I don't care how bad they are, how much they've sinned, how many people they killed. He died for for them just like He did for us. And so He died for all of us. And so at this point... Jesus is dead. They take him down. We know the story. They they bury him in that tomb in Potiphar's field, and 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 take him. and And the 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 religious leaders were like, Hey, this man said he was going to rise again in three days, and they go to they go to the Romans. We need some guards around him. And so they, he's like, Fine, whatever. You know, take take your guards. How many they took out there? And so they wanted to watch. So now on the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. This is in John chapter 20 and verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. Then she ran back, just like the song we just just heard sang, and said to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved, And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. Peter, Peter, this one that denied him three times. Peter, the one that thought it was over, that he didn't have another chance. That didn't know what he was going to do because he had, he had denied Jesus. He had, he had put himself above Jesus. He had put himself above what Jesus had told him who he was. This is the same Peter that Jesus said, you're, you're the rock. He said, on this rock I'll build my church. The same one, and and so he, Peter was the first one to get up and run out, and the other disciple, and we're going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter, and came first. It came to the tomb first. I love how John had to put that. It's still a competition, wasn't it? It's the same one that also in the upper room was saying who's the greatest. They were they were arguing over that, and and so, and after stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been on his head not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. That folded together has a meaning. When when they would get up from a meal or get up from a place and they were done, they would wad that up and throw it down. Because they was not coming back. Listen. When they took and folded. Mm. So that means I'm not done. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Jesus folded that napkin. He folded the handkerchief that had been around His head. And together in a place by itself and the other disciples who come with the tomb first, went in also and saw and believed... For as yet they did not know the Scripture, that He must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went again into their own home. So they came with excitement, but then left confused, didn't they? They came with anticipation that Jesus was going to be around, and they were going to see that Jesus was around, but they still didn't know why. Because we can read on in the other verses, and they still don't know where He's at. And Mary, He appears to Mary, and she thought He was a gardener. And but she finally realizes Jesus made Himself known and says, Mary. And she knew His voice. She knew His voice. And came and worshipped Him. And then we know later He reveals Himself to the rest of the disciples. Thomas touches His his hands and His side where the the nails was and where they pierced His side. He touches those. saying all this today to say that Jesus is not done. We're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. We celebrate, you know, Good Friday. You think, what was good about Good Friday? Jesus died. That's exactly what was good about Good Friday. Jesus died. Why? Because we know with the promise of Good Friday, Sunday was right there. We know with the promise of what Jesus done that it was going to be made. Another promise that He was going to rise again in three days. And so we have that hope in our life. And so because of what we talked about earlier, Jesus is our sacrifice. Jesus is our example. If you ever need an example in your life, it's Him. Jesus had to endure this. Had to go to the cross. Had to do all these things. The, love, the Son of God. God had to put Him through those things. He could see life and know life and have life more abundantly. He had to do that. So if you're here today, first and foremost, if Jesus is not Lord of your life, we say it every week, today is the day of salvation. Why wait? Because the truth of the matter is, if you were to leave here today and Jesus was not Lord of your life, and you were to leave here and die, then you would not spend eternity with Jesus. Because the same God of love is the God of truth also. And, and, and there's some wrath in there. If, it, if wrath was poured out on Jesus, okay, it wasn't all butterflies and rainbows. The God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. Jesus. God's wrath is not being poured out on you. God's love is being poured out on you through Jesus. And so you got a decision today. Do I make Jesus order my life and change the way I'm doing? And and, and show that, that I have made and I've come into that relationship with Him? Eternal relationship. Or do I keep going the way I'm going? And not knowing where I'm going to end up? Because heaven's real and hell is real. It's not just a figment of imagination that we talk about in the church. If you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. I'm sorry, you're not going to be reincarnated into a, a fish, a frog, a bird, an eagle, whatever. Whatever you think you're going to be incarnated into, come back as you're not doing that. The Bible says nowhere where that will happen. The Bible does say, you deny me, I'll deny you. And it does say that he made a place for us. He goes to prepare a place. So don't leave today not knowing that Jesus is not Lord of your life. Don't leave today playing around and keeping on just playing church and playing God and playing your emotions because of what Jesus done for us should make us want to change our life. We're going to take communion here in just a little bit, in a few minutes. And as we do that, we're not just doing a ritual. We're partaking in what they did in that upper room. And to come into communion with Jesus, that means you've got to know somebody. You've got to know Him. You've got to know that He's Lord of your life and that your sins are forgiven. This is, a, this is a special thing that we come into. So I challenge you today, during this time, y'all stand this morning. During this time, of just take a minute. Ask Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to show you in your life what you need to change. If there's sin, there, ask asking Him to forgive you of it. Go ahead and play some music, Cole. Because of what Jesus done, it's just a prayer. Father forgive me.